Welcome to the new guys. I'm River Butcher. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, used to skateboard a lot, play baseball. Uh, and joining me for the whole podcast, not just joining me, but with me, second half of the podcast, uh, my friend Gabe Dunn. What's up, Gabe? How's it going? Hi, I'm Gabe Dunn. I'm a writer <laughs> and director and um, trans person about town. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm a trans mass person about the country, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, the whole country. Well, yeah, these days. Uh, yes, you are a touring stand-up comic. I yeah, uh, right. am a writer. We both live in Los Angeles. And we wanted to make a podcast for the trans guys, for the trans masks, by us. <laughs> for us. But also, not just, not just for us, I think for everybody. Because I think, um, A... Uh, we're cool. <laughs> That's true. A, we're fun. We're interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, and this is not, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to blow a bubble. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but no. I just, I, I want more people to uh, uh, experience us because I do, I feel like, I, look, this is why we wanted to make the show or this is why I approached Gabe to want to make the show. I'll speak for myself. I don't need to speak for both of us is that I, I literally will ask people like, Hey, can you name a trans guy that's not Elliot Page. <laughs> and very rarely can people do that. And so uh it just feels like there's a there's a a big gap, a big void, you know, in the in the landscape of uh voices. And not to say that there aren't any and we're the only ones. I just wanted to uh be a part of it. You know what I mean? There's a lot of uh there's a lot of cis queer voices out there, which is great. Uh, but the more trans voices, I feel like the better. You know what I mean? I uh, do. And so Gabe and I have known each other for a while. And so I was like, Gabe, do you want to do this? Uh, and so Gabe, why why did you want to do it? Because I feel like maybe your reasons are different than mine. Yeah. Which is why we're doing this together. <laughs> well, first of all, I mostly was like, oh my God, River wants to hang out with me. This is incredible. <laughs> like, I was like... <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I mean, truly, like we talked about like being big brother, little brother, but it was truly you asked me to do this. And I was like, no way. Well, that's flattering. It is because you always want to be, you know, you want to be thought of. And um, and also, like, you know, I think I view you as kind of. Not like an elder to me because that makes it sound like you're old. <laughs> Don't you dare. But you Don't know you I mean? dare. Thank I just you. mean. No, I know. Just I just mean you. that like, yeah, I'm sort of like. I think you're not that you're a hard person to read, but like sometimes you can be like, does River like me? But then like all the evidence <laughs> proves that you do like me. And then you said, do this. Let's do this podcast. And I was like, oh, my God, he likes me. Um, so, <laughs> so that's sort so of this is really a Valentine to Gabe. This this podcast is really just that. It's wish fulfillment for Gabe. Dunn. Truly <laughs> thrilling because also we've like you said, we know each other a long time. And but we knew each other like before either of us transitioned so that's that's cuckoo it is cuckoo it's pretty wild and part of why i was like oh this seems like because you know you could on paper or you know in photograph or whatever look at the two of us and go that's the same person there's mm -hmm. like no difference but we very distinctly have different experiences of gender that on paper to people might seem like oh this okay these are just two of the same people we have very different experiences of that which you know is 
what we'll get into more in depth in the rest of the podcast. Uh, but that was a big part of why I wanted to do it to show that there's a complexity of experience, even when it doesn't look like that, you know? Yeah. Cause I, I honestly think that's the experience of queerness anyways, trans, not trans. It, it's, it, <laughs> that is the, it, that it is a complex experience that we all find community with, mm -hmm. you know, but we don't, I mean, none of us has the same exact experience. I think uh, for people who who don't know us, who are are tuning in, um, I, I I it's not going to get heavy, but it might get heavy. Okay, so it you will. so you and I have a different thing where sometimes I'll say, "Oh, da da da," when I was a woman, and then yeah. you say that you don't feel like you were ever a woman. So I no. feel like that's like a good indicator of like how you and yes. I approach it. Where like I was like hyper feminine and like to you know. Uh, to quote my mom, there were no signs. Uh, <laughs> where is yeah. the evidence? How can this be? Uh, and so, like, I was never, like, super mask, whereas, like, you had the experience of being, like, a, a butch lesbian or perceived as such. And so yeah. we, like, came to this in such d different ways from such different paths. And we have different opinions about, like, what that means. That's right. And, like, the thing, both experiences... Uh, are more than valid, but just like totally awesome. <laughs> you know, that mm -hmm. like you don't, the, there are all paths lead to uh, your own understanding of yourself, you know, that like, yes, we fit on the same side of a thing, but that side is like so large, you know, side being trans mask or mask spectrum, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and come and then, and within that coming from a femme spectrum and then a mask spectrum to begin with. So it's like, I don't know that that to me is just very interesting because I think um, for me, uh, you know, the mainstreaming, the heteronormativity, the sort of like um, movement towards that of just like, no, we're just like everybody else. And it's like, no, we're not <laughs> like that's like for me, that's the whole thing is like, no, we're not like everybody else. And that is irrelevant. I'm a human being, so like my experience is valid and it doesn't have to be like anybody else's. And there's not one way to be trans, you know? Mm -hmm. There's not one way to be a person, so there there can't be one way to be trans, you know? <laughs> so yeah. that's just kind of, because it, it's like, it's infinitely fascinating to me that, uh, you know, experiencing you before, that we're both trans guys or I trans know. mask, you know, whatever. It's just like, it's just funny to me. It's just funny and interesting. Also, uh, I think like coming from different sexualities too. I don't know how you define yourself mm -hmm. now. I mean, I guess we're going to get into that. We'll get into it. <laughs> and that's that's an Easter egg for another time, baby. <laughs> Probably just in 10 minutes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's why we start a Patreon. <laughs> it changes every week. Yeah. Every week we have a Patreon and every week you give sort of an update. You get to find out my new sexuality. Yeah. That's right. Like how, you know, the forest will have like fire today, but like not so fire today. <laughs> today it's moderate. Okay. But yeah, I'm very, I'm very interested to see, you know, like we talk about this, this podcast is about gender, but I just don't want, you know, I, I don't know what podcast isn't about gender. That's the thing to me. Like, you know, in my comedy, sometimes people will point out, you know, you talk about gender a lot and then that same person gets on stage and talks about how women are. And mm. it's like, we're always talking about this stuff. <laughs> You yeah. just don't think you are because you're talking about it away in a way that you've talked about it for your whole life. So mm -hmm. I can't wait to hear. Um, I can't wait to hear about how your activity went. Oh yeah, we both have activities. So yeah, we're gonna have hopefully a guest at least 
one out of the two episodes a month. Mm-hmm. We would love to do this as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So please support the podcast in any way you see fit, but preferably financially. <laughs> you can even just listen. You know what I mean? Listen but to yeah, it. But yeah, you can. Give us listen. I'm not a capitalist or anything, but you know. And I made us an Instagram at the new guys, which wasn't taken. Oh, great. Can you believe? I can. This is why I pitched this name because I was like, it is not taken anywhere. We have to do it. And so I also, before we move on to our activities, I do want to say, so the reason why I wanted to call it the new guys, which is spelled K-N-E-W guys, is for me, and I think you have maybe a different experience of this name, which is also why I enjoy this, to have different perspectives on the same thing. Uh, I pitched this name because for me, I am a new guy, but I always knew I was a guy. Wow. So that's why I pitched this name. <laughs> I was thinking of it as like, um, we know stuff. Like we're, you yeah. know, we're per- also that we're like giving information. Like once you listen to this, you will know things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah, that all your your perspective is valid. Also, I was able to get the Instagram, which is really key. And thus far, I've just been using it to look at people's accounts that I don't want them to know I'm looking at their stories. (laughs) I thought you were going to say that you were blocked from. (laughs) I've thought out that too. Yeah, that's when when you learn that that's a possibility. Oh, boy. (laughs) Right? Where you could just make a fake one. Yeah, Yeah, that's. um, And I'll probably continue to do it until they block the new guys. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Until we're the biggest podcast on the planet. And they can't look away. Yeah, and all of our exes can't do anything but but <laughs> but desperately hope that they will be a guest on the new guys. Um and we'll be back talking about our activities our within the binary activities uh after this. Hello, welcome back. Uh, this is the part of the show where we talk about the gendered activity that we each did. Every episode, we're going to go and hopefully be able to do some sort of manly, quote unquote, or feminine, quote unquote, activity. Either one that like River didn't really get to do because you can speak for yourself that you were. Yeah, I'll speak for myself about that. <laughs> what is the word? Eschewing femininity. And then I am going to go do something manly, sort of. You'll hear about it. Um, so, okay, yeah. River, what did you do this week? My, my activity was listening to the 1995 smash hit album, Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. It's an important record, I think, not only to me, but to many people, but also to, I think, music history. Um, and as Gabe was saying, as you were saying, The reason why this activity was so important to me to do for this first episode is because I was eschewing and eschewing my femininity most of my life um, because I did not... It was as though any time there was something that I even... It feels like reached towards was feminine as a child. It was seen as proof that I was actually a girl and and it was like people had to point that out to me and they made me feel so, I just hated it. I hated it so much that it anything that I did actually like, I just pushed away that was feminine, you know? Um, and so one thing that I really remembered was distinctly enjoying the music from Alanis Morissette's smash 
<laughs> not debut, but debut in a way album, uh, Jagged Little Pill. And then, but not being able to participate in that, you know? Um, what's, what's your, do you have, cause we, we have, what is our age difference? I'm 34. Okay. I'm 40. So it's six years. So you were, I was 13 when this came out. Do you consider yourself elder millennial or Gen X? I mean, people consider me to be a geriatric millennial, <laughs> but I do, th I do think that I, that's like, that's the tag that I get in terms of generational. We were, I was just talking to this talking about this with someone that I am like right on this cusp of Gen X and millennial. And my parents are right on the edge of boomer and Gen X. Like my parents and I are almost the same generation, which is Weird. bonkers to think about. Yes. Whoa. I'm, I'm a millennial and my parents are distinctly boomers, but yeah, I, uh, I have an old dad, but I, um, Kind of more so my pop culture stuff is very Gen X. I think I, I had uh -huh. older brother. I don't really know, but... That makes sense. I mean, a lot of my pop culture is Gen X as well because I, I don't have siblings, but I was hanging out with people that were older than me and I watched so much television yeah. <laughs> as a child that like so much of it was, you know, the same stuff Gen Xers were watching. But so what was your... I'm curious your experience of this album as somebody six years younger. So you would have been seven. Yeah. Weirdly, by the time I got to high school, I was like obsessed with Alanis Morissette. I loved her so oh, interesting. much. I uh, I think I wrote in my live journal that she was the best lyricist I've ever <laughs> encountered. But I was also like I mean, 16. Yeah, but also, so I was listening to this record last night. Okay. And I was listening to it with other people, um, both of whom, uh, man... You know, the thing when you're describing people these days, I'm just always like, I don't know. I don't always know exactly what that person wants to be described right. as and what's the most accurate thing. And I personally, personally, in my own pursuit of just, you know, liberation, I'm trying to like let go of this need to like describe people as AMAB or AFAB because it's yeah. like, well, I'm just doing the same thing again. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. well, what? Okay. Um, but I think for the, for the uh for the conversation that we're having it it bears some importance because I'm talking about a femininity thing you mm -hmm. know that like the people that I was listening to this with uh were afab people and to have the experience of their experience listening to it and then my own sort of like dude experience mm -hmm. of it even even though it is a feminine experience within my manliness yeah was really powerful <laughs> Really? Because like, they, well, I, I I don't think sixteen year old Live Journal Gabe is wrong. Like I, Alanis Morissette, I do think is one of the best lyricists of all time. Yeah. And I think because she's a woman, she's not considered to be that. But yeah. like, you play this record, and I don't think there's there's maybe maybe one skippable song. Maybe maybe. I'm trying to be generous here. Yeah. It's pretty not skippable. It's it's a, a pretty immense piece of art all the way through. And this was written by a 19-year-old person. She's 19? <laughs> she is 19. I didn't know that. Like, does this does this record like propel like angsty, frustrated, but also like cathartic emotion? That is very like youthful, you know, like, yes, mm -hmm. that feels like a young person's version of that. Yes. But it is <laughs> like it's it's so I mean, uh, 
you took a long hard look at my ass and then played golf for a while like that is so accurate to what you're talking about like there's no mm. that's it's so pure you know the the record is so pure and like i was having a hard time a couple weeks ago and i just like you ought to i i I heard in my mind say, just play you ought to know. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, I, I I was like, no, no. Like in this old way of like, no, I'm a dude. I'm not doing that. Uh, in this, And I just was like, what if I did? What if I just did? Right. And I put it on and I, because also I had the experience of being somebody that was 13 when this came out. Like they played the crap out of these songs, you know, mm -hmm. to the point where huh, it's, you know, I don't want to hear it anymore. Mm -hmm. But I turned it on and it was, so cathartic yeah. to listen to that song and just truly like let go. And I, Alanis Morissette is a human being, imperfect, all those things. But I just think that she had really connected to her creative power in this album and then continued to afterwards. Like I watched the documentary about her and everything. You did for this? Yes. That's, I love the thoroughness of that. <laughs> oh, I watched it a while ago. I watched, I couldn't wait to watch it. <laughs> Uh, it can, it's really good. It's on HBO Max. It's like the music box series. And I really highly recommend it. And there's some stuff in there that like, it's really interesting because she like purposely wanted an all male band. And you're just like, wow, okay. <laughs> you know, it's Why? just like, yeah, people are complicated and people are imperfect. Well, I mean, she's young, number one. Right. And number two, I don't know. People aren't perfect. Mm. <laughs> you know, especially, you know, women and yeah. especially men. They're not perfect. They do things right. uh, that suck. <laughs> you look back and you're like, oh, man, that could have been super cool. But also, that's my version of what I think it should be. You yeah. Know? Like, she did what she thought she needed to do. And, like, I, you know how many men have all male bands that I'm not like, you could have had all women, you know, so right, who knows? Yeah. Um, but it just, she's connected to a creative power in a way that I, I, I think, um, you know, we just don't really talk about very much and to be 19 and, and do that. But I think that it's because she went through so many things. So, so young and came out the other side that she was able to do that. So for me, it was a really powerful experience. Cause I feel like, I and I will wrap up because I want to hear. I can't wait to. Hear well, I have about two questions. Your, uh, okay, great. Well, let me just okay. wrap my long-winded way of saying that there were all these times growing up because you know, like I, I don't think I was. There are moments of girliness and moments of feeling like a girl, but overall, I. I wasn't, you know, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really look back and think like, oh, that's, a, I look at pictures of myself. I remember experiences, but I have uh, always had so many girl friends, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> like so, so many, like I feel at home with women. Uh, and so there was always this, especially when this record came out, I just remember feeling like, oh, this is a moment where there's a divide. Like I am, I am now kind of on the outside of something. Yeah. Like being a child and going to slumber parties, like it was fun and cute because I could be like the boy, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, nobody's whatever. And then once people start to, oh, I'm attracted to th all the awakening starts to happen in adolescence. I was like, oh, I I'm like, I started to feel like a freak, you know, mm -hmm. like I shouldn't be here. But also, I, I don't know if you want me here, like just all that stuff. And I feel like this record was like the moment of that. And so it's been nice to sort of like welcome it back into my life and like have it not be this like parting moment mm -hmm. and and more so of like no I understand like I feel this and and it's and it's cathartic and I 
I can like welcome those parts of myself that were a girl or girly and she can have a good time listening to this record while I'm like sitting with her, you know? Like, yeah. Kind of fun. Those are my two questions. You maybe kind of answered them, but one was like, do you relate to any of the stuff because people saw you as a woman? So like, you know, the, the mm -hmm. way that men treat women, the harassment stuff, all of that. And two, what were the guys around you were they when she popped up and became like super feminist, whatever, were the men around mm -hmm. you like disparaging her? What was the first one again? Sorry. Do you relate to any of that stuff? Oh, yes. Well, yeah, because I mean, you make a great point. Like just because I mean, I think I feel like that is a thing that's like not being maybe discussed culturally about trans guys. But I'll speak for, to my own experience is that <laughs> I'm not like suddenly a guy that has the lived experience of a man. <laughs> oh, I think there I, are some angry people who would say otherwise. The same people I, who I know, come I, for me about that. I, I currently have, do have the lived experience of a man walking into AutoZone or like walking down the street and a car pulling out and then backing up and saying, sorry about that, brother. Yes, <laughs> I do have that experience. Does that mean that I have always had that experience? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and and my experience has been what you said, which is I I was, uh, you know, sort of cattled into, you know, you split into two groups, the boys and the girls. I was cattled into the girls. And that had been my experience be as a group within that group. But then within that group, I was also like a freak because mm -hmm. I wasn't a girl. <laughs> right. So then they were like, but also what's your so number one, you've got you got the the bad choice of the two. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, number one, you came out with a pink blanket, so you're already a little less. And you're not fulfilling our needs within that pink blanket. So there's some stuff going on that we're gonna need to put on you. you know? Right. So it's like, of course I relate to this stuff. And then also yeah. just like as from a human being like experience of being treated like less than just right. because of a perception of you or whatever. And then I also, as a human, have some weird age stuff that she, you know, like weird, you know, like relationships with people that were way too old yep. in her case. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I feel I relate to that stuff a lot, you know, mm -hmm. and I was 19 years old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like everybody was 19 years old. I mean, not everybody, but a lot of us, most yeah. of us. <laughs> you if you're know? listening to this, um, probably not. Probably well, yeah, some young people. It, that's right. And then what was the second part? Um, were the men around you disparaging her? Oh, sure. That's that's harder to remember because so I went to an all girls school as a boy. Oh I'll just say that to remind everybody again through elementary school, which I think in a lot of ways, and we'll probably discuss this over the course of this podcast, so I don't need to fully get into it now. But I think in a lot of ways, like was probably beneficial to mm -hmm. being a, a trans guy that I just didn't, I wasn't, I got to be a guy. Like, mm -hmm. I know that sounds really weird, <laughs> but when I look back at it, it's like, because there were no cis guys at my school and there weren't even cis male teachers really. Oh my God. Um, I truly got to be myself because gender wasn't a thing Whoa. because we all supposedly had the same gender. So it's like, it kind of evaporated, Whoa! you know, in this kind of funny way. But were they like, okay, so it's time to like pull a big table over river. <laughs> 
No, but I always, I mean, in a way though, I actually, I say no, but I probably did that. Right. It's like, not like anybody asked me to do it, but I would like, I would always offer to do that stuff. Let people go ahead of me. Uh, you know, like I had a, a dad who didn't want to participate in stuff. So we would learn the uh, father daughter dances. We would learn the dances in gym class. And I would be like, I'll lead. Like I would just like <laughs> volunteer to be the boy all the time. Because the way so many things are set up is in this binary that you actually you actually need two people. Right. And one of them is going to have to play this role and the other one's going to play the other role. And I was like, sure, it'll be me. Like, I used to have a joke about, like, when I was in kindergarten, I would be, you know how you have, like, all-day quarterback mm -hmm. when you're playing, like, football in the yard? I would be all-day dad. Like, I'll, I'll be the dad. <laughs> like, when you play, like, house or whatever. I would just always do that. And I don't, if, had there been cis boys there at that school, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Right. I wouldn't have been able to. Whoa. They, it, somebody would have been monitoring that and been like, don't do that. Whoa. There's all these boys here. <laughs> oh, my God. You know? They would have boxed you out. And I know and in, in, I, I probably got monitored and corralled in, in ways that I don't remember, thankfully. But And I know that I did. And I had to wear like a dress and all this stuff. So it was like, whatever. So it wasn't perfect. But in a way, it actually gave me the space to. So I say all that to say that the the friends that I had that were boys were in my neighborhood and so it wasn't a lot of them i didn't oh. have a lot of guy friends until i really got out in the until like college or something but i had really close guy friends and i just don't remember them like it was like here's what it was they didn't say she was terrible or anything like that but it was about whether she was hot or not oh, <laughs> you know it was like that was it. it that was that got was her it. only value because we were 13 you know right. so it was like getting into real serious gross ter territory because right. <laughs> boys are just gross for because they can you know right. and because they don't know what else to do because they're right. not really taught to be anything but gross you know yeah. um and so that's what i remember you oh know, wow that like it was about her body and stuff like that and, <sighs> and that's what she was against but i think they were probably secretly listening to it you know, yeah, maybe. And then also just to say, just to throw this out there, because it'll probably come up like one, one of my close friends in this crew of people mm -hmm. uh, is a trans woman. <laughs> so I also have that like, I'm just like, wow, of course, like, of course, we were right across the street from each other. <laughs> but mm -hmm. it's also just like, OK, but so when you ask me like your guy friends, I have to sort of remember, right. like, I'm only talking about two of them, actually, right. <laughs> you right. know, not three. <laughs> It's very funny how that turns out. It is very funny how that turns out. So, Gabe, I I want to hear about your uh, manly excursion into, uh, well, I'll let you say what you did. So I wanted to go to a batting cage because I've never been. And I feel like you see in- Never in your life. No. And you see like wow. in rom-coms where it's like the guys are talking to yeah, each other. Do. And they're like, let's go to the batting cage. And then they're at the batting cage. And they're like, I don't know, bro. Should I ask her to marry me or whatever? Like, that's yeah. always like a thing that they're doing. And like, that's how they're talking out their problems. And so I was like, um, okay, but I want to go. I also was like scared that the ball would be have to be fast and it would hit me. I've never like really swung a bat really. <laughs> and so I went to Batcade, which is uh, in yep. Burbank. This is my suggestion. Yes. Did you have the pizza? The pizza's quite good. I didn't. No. We Next time. So, okay. So, speaking of sexuality. So, I'm bi, but I've been mostly like around gay guys now. Like I'm in this like uh -huh. cis gay guy arena, um for better or worse. 
And so I took one of the guys from that. <laughs> that being cisgayguys.com. Yeah. I well, he's like my so my my boyfriend plays, my boyfriend's also a trans guy, and he plays dodgeball in West Hollywood. And so mm-hmm. this is like a dodgeball friend. And so I was like, Well, you come to a batting cage with me. And I don't know why I thought that this would be like a paradigm of masculinity, this gay guy. But um he also was like I have I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So that was actually really good because we were both just sort of like, is this men? Like we don't know. <laughs> so we went, so the so uh, this is my okay. So the guy behind the counter is like, I said, I've never done this before. Should, how long should we do? And he was like, You should do 15 minutes. And I was like, Well, that's ridiculous. We should do 15 minutes each. And he was like, No, you should do 15 total. No. And I was like, I, I know, I went, I went over this with you. Guys. I know, I know. <laughs> and I was like, no, we'll do 15 each. Cause I was like, that's yep. so short. It's really um, long. I know. <laughs> so, uh, he gets there. How are your hands? <laughs> okay. So here's what happened. So he gets here. So we're like, and we'll do like softballs. Oh, like, like over us. And I was like, so do we need helmets? And he was like, no, because <laughs> it's like a softball. Um, yep. that's getting thrown really high. So we go and I go in and I whiff it at first for a while because I like truly do not know how you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like swinging the bat around. But then I realized that I had seen baseball players before and they twist and their little foot goes up. So I was like, I'll do that. <laughs> so I did the follow through foot up thing. Oh, and like golf. They do it in golf. And uh, and then it was working and then I could hit them and I was actually hitting them like mostly and uh, it felt extremely like you were talking about cathartic, but it felt really cathartic. Like I kept saying like, well, my friend was filming me um, mostly for his own enjoyment, uh, but I kept saying like, oh, this if I was angry and I came here for a while, I would feel amazing. Like I was, and then I was like, okay, now, now that you're able to hit them, see if you can aim. So I was trying to aim and then I could kind of do that. And I was like pretending like, okay, I don't want to go, I want to run to first base. So how do I hit it the other direction? Uh, Mm -hmm. But it felt like hitting the balls. I understand if you were mad or sad or something that you would go and just smash these balls and like feel really good about it. And then my guy friend wasn't uh, doing like he was doing as well as me, kind of. And also, we both do a thing where we like screech if we're like scared of something like we both go like, "Ah!" (laughs) so like we were both doing it. So I did mine and then he did his. And then I was like, oh, what? You know, 15 was fine. River, the next day, I could not move my arms. I figured <laughs> there's a muscle like right here on your upper arm that I don't know that I've ever used. Yeah, oh yeah. It's called the batting cage muscle. Is that real? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. It's so it was so joke. painful. And then I would yeah. I wouldn't even remember. I would like forget that it was hurting and I would go to pick up like a coffee cup and my hand would shake. Yeah. So I didn't realize that it was such an arm <laughs> workout. I just thought like fun and games. But yeah, it was. And then I didn't want to. Okay. And then this is my thing. I didn't want to say to my friend that my arm was, I wanted to be like, do your arms also hurt? But I also wanted him to think that I was like strong and manly. So I didn't want to text him that because I didn't want him to be like, no, my arms feel fine. And then I would be like, yeah, mine too. (laughs) I also felt fine. (laughs) 
So how long were your arms sore for? <laughs> like two days, yeah. maybe more. I mean, it's like a normal normal workout thing. If you do a new workout, your yes. body's like, what are we doing? And then it's yeah. fine. To be fair, I did pole. I tried pole with my friend and my arms were hurting from that too, like trying pole dancing. Yeah. And that's another thing, a pro- another activity that I was doing with a cis gay guy friend of mine. And he's so good at it. Like so good. <laughs> like he looks graceful. Yeah. He's like doing these very feminine like movements. It's like he looks amazing. And I'm just like sort of twirling around on the pole while it screeches as that, I like lower yeah. and lower. That stuff is like all core work. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't understand how you do that. I respect it deeply. Right. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's for me. So, okay. So my question is, is there anything similar in your, because you said you didn't do this ever. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like you said, it's like this ubiquitous rom-com thing. So was there other sports that you did as a child? Because I feel like th- this is like our different thing, you know, coming from, I was just like all sports all the time um, until like high school. Basically. Yeah. Um, and so what was like, what was your sports experience? I played basketball pretty much all of middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my sister about this because I was like, I don't think it ever occurred to me to to ask if I was good. Like, I just sort of played. I played. I didn't seem to have any sort of plans to get better or like ideas of wanting to be better. Like, I wanted to play in the games and stuff. And I cared, I guess, if I did well in the games. But I... I, n- I was never the most talented person and I just kept doing it. Like I just kept. Wow. Every that year. That is such a different experience. Yeah. <laughs> you just did it? You just, I mean, was it because your friends did it or you just did it? Um. Yeah, I think some friends did it. Also, a lot, a lot of my female friends played volleyball and I maybe then uh-huh. subconsciously felt like that was really girly. I didn't want to do that. And um, which is funny because I later dated a six foot seven national championship male volleyball player. <laughs> so <laughs> all of those guys were, were pretty yeah. manly. It is funny the things, and I mean, I, I think that's why I wanted to do this little like experiment, but it's funny the things that we perceive or create as feminine or masculine, because mm-hmm. like I still, like I don't want to drive like a white car because I think that's like a girl's car. <laughs> and like that's made <laughs> up. It's just like, like who, I know, I know, I know. Wow. I know. Or like that Marlboro ultralights are for women. Like that's just not a thing. I didn't. It's not true. Whoa. <laughs> like volleyball, not for women. <laughs> we should make a list. Each Basketball of, us of stuff invented for women. <laughs> yeah. Also, like my my aunt and my grandmother played golf a lot. Mm-hmm. So there were like, you know, my dad would take us golfing, um, me and my sister. And that was like a sport that we did. Also, ice skating did like little ice skating trips uh, to like the ice skating rink. If we want if we wanted to like have a hangout with our girlies, like we'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, let's go to the ice skating rink. Like, I don't know. And I didn't I don't think ever I don't think a boy ever came with us ice skating. I can't think <laughs> of one time we had a guy with us yeah. ice skating. So yeah. I don't know. I played basketball pretty heavily. And I also played like jcc league like i played like maccabee mm-hmm. league like i played all these leagues i was i just remember this there was very few women in the jcc league the jewish community center league and i was on a team 
that was all, all boys and me. And it was the one female coach. So there's draft. And there was the one female coach and she drafted me. And mm. I was like, and I remember being like, Ugh, I only got drafted to this team because the woman wanted to have like a girl on her team or whatever. <laughs> Which is like not a bad thing. You know, when you like retroactively look at it, you're like, oh, that's actually nice. That's a solidarity <laughs> move. You yeah. Know? But at the time it's like, oh, well, of course, this I must diminish this because it couldn't possibly be good. And then the boys would never pass to me. I always found that so annoying. Um, but then oh, yeah. I would just like buy bide my time by being like, which one do I have a crush on? I don't have who cares. And then when we yeah. when we like won like I don't know third place or something whatever, they gave us a trophy with a female basketball player on it and it was quite controversial. <laughs> yeah, I bet the boys were happy about that. Well, the female coach and I like she was like, "Look." Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Ma'am, I know, that's nice. You're pointing this out real hard. <laughs> we're going to need to dial it back. None of these boys are yeah, going to yeah. date me if you keep pointing this shit out." They were not going to date me anyway. So to wrap up, <laughs> uh, would you do it again? Would you go to the batting cage again? Are you going to fold it into your practice? I would catharsis? love to. I think it's great. I also think it is a really good place to be like, hey, I know we want to talk about like your relationship, but let's not get a drink. Let's go to the batting cages. <laughs> yeah, I think it is a great place, but you just don't talk about it in between pitches because... Right. They right. go pretty fast. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't talk and then about you're it. Literally wasting money. <laughs> yeah. We were trying to like pretend like we were talking to each other, you know, in like a batting cage, like, oh, like pretending, doing like a, a play acting of yeah. like what it would be like. Um, and it is more difficult than you would think. Also, there's it's a child, difficult. there's almost inevitably a child next to you who is like doing seven so years better. old, absolutely smashing it crushing the ball yeah. no That's fear right. they're on a travel team they're on a travel team every time they're tiny they're wearing a helmet and they're just absolutely smoking you they're taking 80 mile an hour baseball pitches and they're just crushing the ball <laughs> and i like hit one and i'm like woo! i know i mean hey we do what we can um well i can't wait to find out what we do next episode um but on this episode we have a spectacular guest uh coming up after this Well, I'm very excited. Uh, our first guest on our first episode. <laughs> I feel like maybe we could just have this episode and this is the best episode that's ever happened. You know what I mean? Um, but so without any further ado and me just talking, me being River Butcher and my co-host uh, Gabe Dunn on The New Guys, uh, it's my absolute pleasure to introduce uh, actor, artist, musician, beautiful spirit, Daniel C. Thank you so much for being on our show, Daniel. It's great to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you both too. I'm really, I've been looking forward to this and I'm just happy to be here and get into a nice conversation together. Yeah, thanks for being here, Daniel. I really appreciate it. We, You and I have done some uh, Instagram live, so it's nice to do something. I don't know. I was going to say more formal, but I don't think this is. <laughs> I think it's just, just more audio, you know what yeah. I mean? We are all wearing bow ties. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you guys can't see it, but we, we do have tuxedos on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> How have you been, Daniel? How are things? How's your life? You know what? I'm really enjoying springtime. I'm a fan. I just went mm. to see the rhododendron garden here in Eugene where I'm visiting. My dad lives here. Um, and yeah, just the blossoms and the, the promise of spring. It always puts me in a good mood. Yeah, yeah. I, I just um, came 
uh, I just was at the Seattle Translations uh, Trans Film Festival, and that was an amazing experience. I saw so many incredible films from trans creators, trans stories, like all different. I just feel uh, filled to the brim with uh, Mm. trans magic stuff. So that was exciting. So a reason, uh, I mean, many reasons, but uh, a reason that I wanted to have you as our first guest, Daniel, is that part of the dynamic of this podcast that we're establishing um, is that I find myself to be a bit of the big brother. Well, Gabe is a little bit of the little brother, but what's so cool uh, in my experience of you. And and so to everybody that's listening, Daniel and I have a friendship um, that exists. (laughs) Um, And, and I feel like we have had, uh, I feel like I've had the experience of being a little brother and a big brother in our relationship, which is very, uh, has been very like affirming and comforting and, and wonderful in, in my life. And so it's fun to bring that dynamic here and to have the sort of, it's fun too, cause we're recording on this thing that feels like the Brady bunch a little bit. Um, <laughs> and so we get to be all these like different, uh, aged brothers with each other, you know? Um, mm-hmm. cause I think for me at least, and uh, maybe not everybody agrees with it, this, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Daniel, is that, I, I feel like my understanding of my uh, queerness, but more specifically, my transness has allowed me to have the experience of almost like a multi-generational experience within myself on mm-hmm. a sort of continued basis. So I'm curious, as someone who, um, you know, it, it, for like lack of a, you're well-known, <laughs> you know, you're a public figure and well-known for your gender expansiveness and your transness, you know, like how, how has, do you relate to that? Is that an experience that you have? Because I feel like you translate that to the screen. So I'm just curious, um, those kinds of things and any or all of your thoughts are very welcomed on that. Well, actually, yeah, I've had such an experience of kinship like in queer trans and like well different kinds of um, uh, subculture experience and that has extended out since I first came out you know uh, I mean my first punk show I we 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 dressed in drag let's say Um, I felt very and that was like 30 years ago so like for me I guess uh, my dad is gay you know and I grew up uh, going to pride marches and then in the late seventies, early eighties, like I, for me, queerness has always been a family affair. I have a gay uncle <laughs> who started first um, uh, LGBT bookstore in the Castro in the seventies. Who did activism with Harvey Milk. Like I grew up around this. Not that it was always an affirming thing, as it was still like the straight world. But um, but I've always understood that. Um, and when I came into queer community, there were elders that I had um, from like five years older than me, or someone like Silas Howard, or or. Um, when we were young punk kids, like, um, yeah, that's several Harry Dodge. I could name many Harry Dodge. And there were people like Chris Kovic, who's, an, who's a real um, elder for, for a lot of us, a writer who passed away um, many years ago. But, you know, being in queer community has always been an intergenerational thing for me. And, you know, as the terms have shifted and changed or or you know, um, using the word queer came to me like in 95, using the word trans came in the early 2000s. And then, and then whatever, it's like, I gave it up for a while because I thought it meant you had to use medical stuff. Anyway, there's a whole journey there. But just to say, 
I have experienced this uh, feeling of kinship and it just keeps extending out and, and to have to be like, I have a brother experience with you river has been so fulfilling to me and wonderful. And like you said, you know, there's been moments and I, and I'm like that with my dad too. It's like, sometimes I'm not going to say I'm the parent, but you know, we need to parent each other. We need to encourage each other if we, if we want to, um, yeah, keep each other going and to reach all of our potential. You know, we ha might have moments where we get beaten down and then we need someone to encourage us to get back up again or um, just encourage us to go further to uh, express our, our magic, you know, out into the world. Because, yeah, so that's something that means a lot to me, kinship in general, but particularly queer and trans kinship. Have you felt like the timeline thing like River was talking about where it's a lot of stuff is out of order or there's people that you feel are elders to you, but they're younger than you or people that like are, you know, seem like little brothers to you and they're coming to you for stuff, but they're older than you? Maybe it's like a neurodiversity thing, but I don't always um, think in terms of I do. I'm aware of people's ages because I'm interested in the eras that they were formed in. But I can also very quickly let go in terms of power structures too, like success and not or or power positions and all that. It's always been a thing that it's not that I don't notice it, but I. Um, so yeah, I think you can be. I mean, I do think there's something about years of experience that can lead to certain kinds of understanding about the world if you know if you're paying attention. <laughs> um, and that could be useful to share with other people like, hey, when I tried that out, this is what happened. Maybe, you know, you might consider that when you're thinking about what to do or something. But, you know, uh, I can't say I've had younger people mentoring me or anything like that so much, <laughs> significantly younger. No, but I feel more Thank just God. like we're all in you it together. I mean? Thank you know? God. <laughs> I feel like we're all wow. kind of in it Those together. young whippersnappers trying to tell you what to do. <laughs> I feel like, no, actually thinking about the generational thing, I have felt this feeling since like, yeah, since my early thirties, when young people, the people who are becoming adults at that time, which have been millennials, like, and on till now, I'm like, so glad you all arrived because I feel like particularly these generations, um, some people from those generations finally understand me. Cause I do feel I was somewhat misunderstood in terms of, um, who I was in several ways, uh, in these communities, which, you know, I came up in, I also feel like um, I wasn't always understood in the ways that the younger people see me. And I'm not just talking about gender stuff, but like uh, things around, like maybe things like being earnest in a way, or like uh, a kind of kindness that could seem like you're like uh, uh, some kind of pushover or not, not important or, <laughs> you know, I feel like young people are on a whole different trip, which I resonate with a lot more um, than sometimes my Gen X generation. I know I'm excited for the return of earnestness and sincerity. Yeah. <laughs> and that not being seen as a weakness. Yeah, I mean corny. that's white colonial capitalist stuff to like say that if somebody feels a lot or if they're caring for others or they're not playing those hierarchical rules all the um very well that that would mean they would not, you know, belong or something or be able to make art yeah. or whatever. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm younger. I think I, I'm like so it's very cool to me to meet you and talk to you uh, after like, you know, we've been like Instagram following. But because I think you've like been in the background of so much stuff as I've like researched queerness or like gone through my life. Like I feel like 
if when I was like in, you know, just starting to look at stuff, like you would pop up or you would be on, on the websites or some video of you or something, you'd be interviewed. So it's like so wild to me to, I mean, I, I think I didn't, I, I didn't explore gender stuff probably till, I mean, late. I just did like a video where they were describing me as a late bloomer, which I don't know how to, I don't know how to take that. Um, or if that's a real thing. Are you laughing, River? I am. I, I'm just, I, I don't know. I just, I bristle at the entire, like people, uh, I feel like don't say, use that exact phrase for me, but it's something along those lines of always like, do you wish you would have known earlier? And it's like, no, I wish you would have known earlier. Like what, that's what, what kind I'm of saying. question is that? <laughs> like what, like there's this prescribed timeline of like when you're supposed to know. And then we're also making that illegal for children to know, you know, like it's, I don't, I don't, you know, like it's just, to me, it's like moving the goalposts of yeah. your own life, you know, and, and, and continually like, cause I don't know who the people are that are saying you're a late bloomer, but, I don't know. I haven't had any trans people call me a late bloomer. <laughs> no, you know, it's like not I, trans people. Yeah, no. of course. So it's like it's an outside experience trying to, you know, like whether they're aware of it or not, diminish your yeah. own lived experience, you know. So it's like, I don't know. I just I just bristle at that. That whole, like, Daniel, what do you think about How do you feel about that? Yeah, I bristle. I mean, I don't. I when I hear that someone said that to you, I'm like, what are they even talking? I don't even relate. I mean, I get versions of it like where someone like, you know, a, a cis guy 15 years younger than me, or like maybe, you know, non-binary or something like that. But uh, they will say like, kind of talk to in it, you know, I'm into role play stuff, like in terms of with friends, like, you know, joking around or different things. But I've noticed this kind of infantilizing of like my masculinity, because um, that, you know, like, oh, how cute you have like a pimple, like you're like a little boy. And I, <laughs> I mean, in a playful way, if it's sexy or whatever, I can see it's fun. But I mean, I'm literally like your elder, like there's a a little part of it where I'm like, when it's coming from somebody like that, even if they don't mean it in a mean way, I kind of feel like, oh, I wish you could see that I'm like, you know, I'm 50. Like I've been through a lot and uh, <laughs> yeah. it'd just be cool to be a little, you know, see that in me, you know. But I also feel very princely and young. So, I mean, it's fine. I, I don't get mad. I don't say anything. But if I yeah, talk to you guys, sword. I'll tell you. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword because I know, yeah, what they mean by that, which is sometimes linked with power structure because we live in a patriarchy so it's it's complicated but yeah i don't like that they said that to you gabe i'm not into that i think they could learn they a little bit they paid me they paid me to say that to me so i feel like <laughs> you know you gotta take what you can get i guess yeah, they're learning, but yeah I hope. it was funny because my friend was like oh are you a late bloomer or did you just bloom again yeah like, did you bloom once and bloom again? Well, it's nonlinear. In my case, I mean, maybe because I was raised by, like, for example, my, my dad's best friend who I'm staying with right now um, was th this guy who I'm showing you a picture of a guy in the early 70s who's like the godfather with long hair. Like these hippie, you know, the hippies, like basically it's like, dude, don't make assumptions and, and say who I am. Like it's it's psychedelic, basically. It's like, for me, it goes in every direction. And into and that's how I've always felt about gender. I mean, I'm definitely on the masculine side of, and I'm happy about that. But to, to think that everything's some linear thing, like, then you do this, then you do that. And then you, um, you know, I, I've never, it feels very prescribed. Like, I, some people may walk on that timeline, but don't think that all of us do. Like, I think it's a, it's a beautiful unfolding that probably just keeps going, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, I'd like to consider myself more of like a tree than like yeah. a single flower for, because, mm. you know, I'm going to hopefully last like 80 years. I mean, yeah. I'm shooting for 80. Seems mm -hmm. like a good, nice round number, you know. So yeah. trees, you know, bloom and change shape and do all kinds of things yeah. if, you know, left alone. Yeah, based <laughs> uh, on the environmentals but, too. But yeah, which... based on the environment and all kinds of stuff. And I guess I'm just curious, Daniel, to get more specific about gender stuff, if we can yeah. for a moment. Sure. Um, like when you, like when did you, because it's so, it's so intriguing to me and interesting and, and I think different than many of the conversations that we, like most people I know who are some form of queer uh, do not also have queer parents of some kind, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. or lineage. Um <clears throat> And I think, you know, we're moving into a time where that's not going to be true, yeah, you know, that's true. where like a lot of people are going to have, you know, friends who have queer parents, um, which is awesome. Uh, and so I guess I'm just curious, like, was there a moment where you knew you were different in some way, you know, or or did you not because you were raised in such a queer experience, you know? Well, I was thinking about this today because I was like, wow, maybe a lot of the, like we didn't. Okay, I'm first I'm going to talk about like my young adult years, but then go backwards, which is just to say, you know, well, A, there wasn't health uh, healthcare for trans people was not easily accessible, but also like mm -hmm. I didn't have health insurance until I was on the TV show. You know, I never had health insurance yeah. until my 30s. So um, and th that made me think about like, okay, even if it was available, like, none of us none of my friends had it except for my friends that became teachers so um or whatever so most of the part they didn't so I was thinking about how outside of things we really were as a queer community and so yeah what what I mean is like in a lot of ways like I felt very seen is only when I entered the mainstream where there was all this misunderstanding and unseeing because I lived in a very avant-garde underground pre-internet so it's hard to explain what, what that made and there was it was very limiting in a lot of ways but it was also like quite um self-made what we were doing I feel so but it was very similar to how I felt with my family you know I grew up also going to my um being with my dad and his husband at the time and um and you know we lived a very fun time like I was a little boy to them like I never wore a shirt I you know I will dress just like my brother no one ever talked about like you know, that I had to like do something different. I felt like I was very much myself um, as this Sir Daniel character, want to be like a knight or whatever I did, you know, and it was only, you know, later when you have to, it, you know, it happens to a lot of us when you come into the teen years. But yeah, I, I felt like my family always just thought of me as me and never really tripped on any of it, except for when I had to wear a dress to see my grandma and grandpa <laughs> on Thursdays. And that was always a fight, but. Because you didn't want to do it and they wanted you to. Yeah. But then on the second side, the society, it's like the eighties LA was a hideous nightmare in the West side of LA. Oh <laughs> my God. It was so conservative and intense and like being queer was not, especially during the AIDS crisis was not something that um, was easy to be for my dad or for, for me as a kid. So, so yeah, it was, there was like the home life and maybe the society life and it was uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's interesting to hear you describe that because I feel like it's a, you you have a personal experience of what I guess the movement is like currently doing now, you know, or has been doing for a, a little moment that like, I don't know. I just feel like people don't understand. There's this miss like incongruence, I guess, of like 
like of course we're not accepted <laughs> like of course these things are happening like this is not you know like i feel like people don't realize that trans people did not were not accepted by doctors for a very long time <laughs> you know it was well, not we just showed up we just started we, well right we just started there existing <laughs> there was drag race and then trans people started basically <laughs> that's what i heard it's we're in an occupied colonial project that's an ongoing occupation of lands that are those of indigenous peoples um and that was one of the main strategies was mm-hmm. one of the ways of control i mean it's fascism is still doing it now where lgbt people are the target particularly those who challenge gender binary and i don't know it seems to work for st- power structures somehow like i don't it's linked to all that it's not just the concept like oh do you believe in trans yeah. people it's like it threatens <laughs> okay. the entire infrastructure so i think that's what we're up against it's, it's a bigger or you know and and I, there's been so much progress and so much amazingness and i'm just so thrilled to have an x on my driver's license or whatever to <laughs> be self determined and all these kids going this is my pronoun I, I mean it makes me so happy and i know uh, we're in a wave of fascism that's rising, and they have always used that uh, as, as some of the first first uh, targets so uh, to get to attain power. And you know, not to be heavy, but I think that's what we're dealing with. It's not so much like what people's tastes are, what they're into, or something. It's <laughs> right, like yeah. we're talking about the whole system in a way. So, and that's why us coming in all magic, like I'm going to do what I want to do, and so that's determined. <laughs> I just talked to my dad; he has Alzheimer's. Like he doesn't even remember much, but he totally remembers my pronoun, and he knows that I'm trans, and he talks about it. And he was like, "Yeah, I guess if I look back, I would have been pan. You know, I would have been actually not a gay man. I, I, I'm everything." And he, I was talking to him how he was like my very, mothered me a lot. He was like the main, more affectionate mothering figure in my life and he was talking about his own femininity and even though he can't remember what day it is it's like you know so i think it's a tra- you know it's a tradition we, we carry on um about possibility wow that's so i mean river did you have a similar type thing of like fighting about putting on dresses and like that kind of stuff when you were younger it's just not my experience so that's yeah, sort of I part really... of the show is that river and i are very different <laughs> Yeah, that we, despite it seemingly on paper being very similar, it's like not a, uh, yeah, I did not, um, there was like a distinct moment where I was like, I don't, it literally like itched my body to put those things on and I did not want to wear them like at all. Um, and it really was like a, a deep, uh, like pain to do it. And I really did not like it like a lot. But you have a different family structure, right? Yeah, I don't. I, there's, to my knowledge, there's, there's, there's nobody queer in my, in my circle of family that I know. Even I, no one, no one, I, I, no one is even like rumored. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like it's just very not much of that. You know, but there's not a lot of. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to disparage this. I don't mean this disparagingly, but it's just like not a very romantic. <laughs> It's like, this is a family and it functions as such and this is it. You know what I mean? So it's like to talk about any of that or like go like, you know, so-and-so, it's just like not a thing we talk about really. Mm -hmm. You know, relationship is not a thing we really discuss. I was, I I mean, this is part of the the show's premise is that I was like fine being a little girl and I had, had none of that. And I was like up until... I knew stuff stuff was wrong, but I thought 
that everyone sort of felt that way. So I just, I talked about it as like, yeah, you go to the costume party wearing the costume of that, you know, of the party or you wear the uniform of the job you have. And the job that I had was girl. So that's what you wear. And then Mm -hmm. nobody likes wearing it, but you just go go to your job. (laughs) Uh, And it just hadn't occurred to me like at all, really. And I also didn't know. I mean, when I was growing up, the the big like trans guy thing was the tabloid mess of the pregnant man, which I just bought his book, Thomas Beatty, because I was like, mm-hmm. I really want to um, read that and like get out from under the like grocery store tabloid aspect of it. But I had no so I like had no background to it at all. And also like no queer family other than my sister who came out during the pandemic. But like, yeah, there was no one like growing up or anything like that. Um, so it's always interesting to hear for me to hear people who always balked at that stuff or who always kind of or whose families like let them have, you know, kind of free reign to to be themselves or do whatever they want, especially a long time ago. So I was growing up in like the, you know, I don't know, late 80s, early 90s. It just sucks that you went out into the real world and they were like, <laughs> no. <laughs> But you had yeah. such like a great little family life. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, you know, when you're traveling and playing, like I, we performed in all different kinds of atmospheres. It's not as though I hadn't interfaced with certain kinds of particular. No, for anti- sure. I know. Anti-trans violence or things like that. But when, but in terms of like who I was around, I feel like we did uh, experimental, you know, we were experimenting um, and seemed like it was all. It worked pretty well. Yeah. And it was just when you when you get to this point of having to explain yourself to the press, let's say, and then you use words that they don't understand, then, or they have an agenda, you know, certain people have an agenda about it, or they just literally are not listening to what you're saying. <laughs> like in my case, TV Guide, I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't believe in a binary. I, I believe gender is a spectrum and I move within it. And then I made some qualifications, like, you know, I could call myself this or that. And then somehow that well, uh, yeah, they didn't understand, you know, and then they still. And they were just like, clearly this person doesn't understand what they are talking about. So we're just going yeah. to change this to what we yeah. want it to be. When was that? <laughs> uh, 2005. But the, but the thing, when I first came on to the show, but um, the thing was, is that uh, I never thought that people would use they, them. And, and in fact, we had our own coded language. It's like, in, I think they call it in culture or in language. It's like subcultures. We have oh, yeah, our own language. I never thought that the might like the mainstream world would ever use they them or call me he or do any of that stuff. Like I really didn't think they would ever cooperate. I just thought it was another experimental thing that we were doing and we were living that way. But that's what's wild to me is that we are living in this time where I think well, one of the versions I, I know of what you're talking about, Daniel, is in group and out group language. Mm-hmm. That like you would use this language within the group yeah. and then use different language outside of the group. Um, and I feel like non-binary is a prime example of that, you know, that mm-hmm. it cr- was created as an in-group language. And then, you know, there's like positives and negatives to yeah. <laughs> things getting out into gen pop, you know, <laughs> that like um, I feel like so many people have found themselves in and gender has loosened, the binary has loosened by that term getting out and sort of being changed and turned into its own different thing than what it was originally intended as, you know? Um, But I also think 
<laughs> I don't know. I just I, I listened to something recently where somebody was like tisk tisking like you know trans and non-binary people as though we all think we invented it or something. And I'm oh. like, no, I think people just realize themselves and they're like, oh my god, this new thing I am, you know. And it's yeah. like not everybody can have the full historical experience of every single thing at every single moment, you know? Yeah. Well, it's visibility. And then the visibility, the next thing that comes is how can we make money off of this? <laughs> yeah. In, in capitalism for sure. Yeah. Or how can we, I mean, the amount of scripts that all of a sudden, you know, I get the scripts and it's like every show had like, you know, non, non-binary, whatever that this was last, last year, they stopped doing it. It was a fun trend for a while, but they were like, you know, and then it was always what they meant was like an AFAB person with a shaved head. Basically there mm-hmm. was no, there was no idea that any, that there was any other definition of non-binary. So like, yeah, I think like I, it, it it's probably helped a lot of people find themselves, but it is also sort of bittersweet for it to leave the in-group of it all. I mean, I think certain people will always be quite superficial with things, especially when thinking of like Hollywood where you have these um, slots and you fill them and you're just kind of moving on. Like, but we, you know, we've always existed. So it's not like a new thing. It's just, we're trying to help people to see, see us. I, I was thinking about that today, like, cause I get misgendered all the time, obviously like today I went to the Y and the guy, the gay guy at the counter was like, she 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 over and over and I was like hmm. and it's fine but then I'm like okay which bathroom do I use if I go in the guy's bathroom is it like you know it just makes this whole atmosphere I'm like, I have to think about this I just want to go lift weights right now just leave me alone you know, know. Um, but I wasn't like mad because also he was very well meaning and he was like in his 50s it's hard to learn or 60s or whatever I don't know but he was trying it was hard for him to learn I mean it's hard for people to to learn new languaging and concepts and it just I didn't realize once you I always thought people saw me for who I was, including like family and friends and things. But the minute I was like, okay, no, you guys have to use these pronouns. You know? I am surprised at the resistance. <laughs> it's amazing, you know, not just like the forgetting. I'm very forgiving. I mean, whatever, it's fine. But, you know, the kind of just, I'm not doing that thing is like surprising. And then it made me realize, you know, it's that thing you said at the beginning, River. It's like, well, you guys didn't see it, you know, it's like, it, it's making it clear, you know. Yeah, it's a funny um, predicament, I feel like, in particularly in, you know, capitalism and, and our, you know, sort of colonial, not sort of, our colonialist experience and the, the hetero, cisgender heteronormative society that we live in to use all the things <laughs> to, to explain it. But it's like the, the responsibility continues to fall on the individual. You know, mm-hmm. like I just I just went to get my eyes yeah. checked because I forgot I had an eye doctor appointment and they kept tech like I get text message things and I get emails and I'd already told them once like, Oh, Hey, could you, you know, update my first name? I, you know, I use a different name now and they're like, Oh, totally. And then I kept getting it, you know, whatever with this old name. And I'm like, you know, not upset because it's like this technology, you probably got to do it a bunch of different times. So I go in, I tell them and the guy I think is a gay guy. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you know, it just it reflects the legal thing. And I was like, this is my legal name that I'm giving. Oh you. My like, God. It's just like everything being so complicated. And then so then I, it, like it gets he's like, I'll change it. I'll change it. And, you know, just whatever is legal. I'm like this. I'll give you my driver's license like this. Yeah. I'm telling you my legal name. This is not just some whatever. And uh, so then I get into the appointment and the guy keeps calling me what I, I thought he was calling me Riv because some people call me that. Yeah. 
And I was like, sure, whatever. And then as Friendly. he's like, he's done all the high stuff, the eye stuff, he hands me off. He's like, all right, Rick, have a good day. And and then I looked at the computer and they had me as somebody else. <laughs> they were they were checking Rick's eyeballs, not River's eyeballs. And I was like, oh, oh no, you know, this is not, that's not my name. So then they pull up my thing and they had to do all this, whatever. And he's like, okay, so I've got it all changed. And it still had Miz. <laughs> Oh my God. uh, Could you change the, and then he's like, yeah, I've got all the pronoun stuff. And at that point I was just like too tired to be like, (laughs) stop calling me they. (laughs) Cause I was like a moment ago I was Rick, you know? And like, (laughs) it's just just like, uh, I don't know. It's just so silly, you know? And then I hear this conservative in my head going, well, you wouldn't have all these problems if you just left it alone. Right. And in this moment that we're in of this consistent, uh, you know, this drumbeat of fra- fascism, the tide of fascism, uh, essentially making us criminals again. There's We had a mm-hmm. brief window where we weren't criminals yeah. for a moment. Like, I don't even think it was a calendar year because I don't I think people don't realize that's what is happening. It's not just yeah. making it's not just making like a medical procedure illegal. It's making you a criminal like yeah. if you. I am a criminal in, yeah. in some states. I am a criminal, you know, like mm-hmm. and uh honestly more willing to be a criminal than than other things most of the time uh some of the best people are criminals (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's like not actually a bad thing to be a criminal because if the laws are you know this ridiculous then why i'm happy to be one we should break more let's rob banks let's start like an ocean's 11 of trans guys and we just rob (laughs) banks and casinos. Well, I remember sure, yes. traveling around the U.S. in the early 90s with my band, and we had a map, and I think it came out in, there was this um, Riot Girl magazine. It was like a bunch of Riot Girl fanzine makers had made this magazine. I forget what it was called. It was, um, I can't believe I forgot what it's called. But anyway, it was, I mean, you know, it was distributed everywhere. And there was a map inside, and we put it up on the ceiling, and it basically showed each state, like, what acts of sex and what acts of mm-hmm. relationships and who could live with who. Like some states you couldn't live like more than four adults in a house. Like, you know, some places like sodomy between these genders were not okay. It was like, and we were just traveling around being like, oh my God, we're legal everywhere. And I remember this feeling. Yeah. And then I remember like some years ago going, man, that map wouldn't even be a thing. Now you could make the map again, but it'd be like other people targeted. And I mean, I would plug this book, my friend So Meyer, who's an incredible theoretician, um, and I plug it for anyone. They made an essay and it's in a book format. It's called A Nazi Word for a Nazi Thing. And it looks into the that archive that was around um, in Germany in like the 10s and 20s, uh, 1910s and 20s, which had a trans woman working there. They were uh, doing trans healthcare stuff there. They had all kinds of films and books and everything it was trans, LGBT, everything. It was, the, it was for human, se- I think it was like the archive of human, the library of mm-hmm. human sexuality or something, but it was yeah. very trans positive and amazing. And then that was one of the first things in 1933 that Goebbels was there and they like burned the whole thing. So it's like, to remember, like, it sounds dramatic to say it maybe to some people, but literally that's, like, we, we have to know our history. And in fact, what would have happened if that trajectory of, like, inclusive trans, that whole archive, that's what they talk about in this book. And I, and it's short. I really mm-hmm. would, uh, recommend everyone to read it because we have to know our history and understand, like, what we're, you know, what we're kind of up against um in this way so that we understand what's happening. You know, um, I think it's important because we're just being yeah. used, you used to consolidate power. That's the, I don't even right. know if half these people believe it. Like they might even not hate us. They might just be using it to get, get power. So, um, 
just to say, not, I mean, I know we're getting into this very like whatever, but I just felt like it's important to, to talk <laughs> no, about I think it. It's very important. Yeah. We live in, relevant. you know, uh, Weimar Germany right now. So it's, I think important to talk about yeah. it. And, um, I also think, you know, for a while, like people were like, oh, you can't call somebody a, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, we should be, we should be calling, no, you know, a Nazi a Nazi because that's what it is. <laughs> it's, it's right. Nothing and, less than fascism. And, but I think it's wild that we, that America as a country just sort of talks about the Nazis burning books, but never talks about what books they burned. Right. As though um, it was simply they wanted illiterate people or something like that, which is not untrue, but it's not the entire story. Like they're, they're, the books they were burning were the books they were burning on purpose. And those right. books were archives of trans people <laughs> and queer people uh, and those stories. And so it makes a lot more sense when you look at the states banning books about like kids having two moms or a little girl being black, you know, like these are the books yeah. that were burned and they're yes. just not burning them yet. Yeah. <laughs> but like, what's the them. difference between a dumpster and a, a bonfire? Not much difference, yeah. you know, it's not very different. And to, re and I guess what I was thinking was, cause this idea like we're new or whatever, like trans people are new or something people think like what would have happened to our lineage if that line, um, that archive wasn't mm -hmm. burned and that line of trans positive stuff had been going for the last hundred years. Like I, or whatever, it's 90 years. Um, we'd probably be in a very different place, you know? So this pushback is is old news and you know exactly what books were they burning and it was very strategic in that art show they put up this art show of degenerate art or whatever and they just slapped up all mm -hmm. the different artists that they wanted and they brought the public and the it was like very popular the public went and got to like look at all the art that they were supposed to think was yeah should be uh, destroyed and those people should be killed or and everything and then when the allied forces came the u.s soldiers and everybody they left all those LGBT people, a lot of mo the majority of them in the camps, like they or they left really them did. to be put into prison. So they continue to serve prison sentences even after the so-called liberation. So, you know, we have a lot, <laughs> a lot of work to do, I guess. Uh, I, I do. I know we're going to win. You know, I know we'll win because that's just the obvious thing. Like liberation will be ours. It's just I don't know how long it will take. <laughs> yeah, I always uh, I believe that it will happen. I might not see it. But I know that I, but the thing is, that's me believing that there's some sort of end moment, you know? Right. And that there's like some perfect moment of it. And because mm -hmm. it's already happened and it continues to happen, you know, mm -hmm. like, because despite all of this, we still exist. So it continues to, to grow and happen, you know? So I had a, I wanted to propose a question if that's all right. And I was, um, thinking maybe we could hear from you, Gabe, first, if you, if you respond to it. But I was thinking about this term trans magic and also um, like, you know, po uh, politics or communities of care, like these kinds of this idea that, you know, we transmute a lot within our own bodies, like in a physical way, also as artists and writers in this room as we are. Um, but we also, I think, offer possibility back into the, the um, into the society where like a, a solar power thing that's offering electricity back into the current of the thing. So I just wonder, do those phrases bring up anything for you, for example, for you, Gabe, like, um, you know, what we do offer even with all this going on, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think all the time about how lucky I am to be queer and how lucky mm -hmm. I am that I was even you know, aware of bisexuality, which was the first thing that I identified as. Like, I think um, sometimes I feel 
bad for people who are cis and straight. I feel like their lives, like, I feel like they see one color and then, like, we're able to see beyond dimensions. Like, I just feel sometimes whenever I hear about the ways in which they're structured or that their lives have to be structured, especially, like, in a, you know, a U.S.-centric sense, I'm like, that sucks. Like, I feel like (laughs) I feel so grateful that I was given the ability almost to like see in like 4D or something like that. I, it feels like a a superpower. It felt like a superpower when it came to my sexuality. And then it feels like even more of a superpower being trans now, because I just sometimes forget that people think other ways, which is mm-hmm. great. Like I, I, I sometimes am, And maybe it it leaves me confused sometimes. And I also have like neurodivergence, which makes me uh, susceptible to that. But like, I just, I just am so, I know that there are things are, there are things that are hard, but I'm, I feel very lucky that I don't have to exist within these structures because there's something inherently about me that pushes me out of them by those people maybe or allowed me to see other results or other ways of living. So I try to be that for other people, I think. Um, And yeah, I just feel, I often feel extremely lucky. Like I forget, Mm -hmm. like when someone expresses like a genital preference, I'm like, that's great. That's so weird. Like I think that, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Like I'm like, what a weirdo. Like, anyway, like, I I think, um, yeah, I just all the time feel very grateful for how, how I turned out, if that makes sense. Totally. What nice is funny, me. River? I'm just enjoying it. I totally relate to what you're talking about completely. How about you, River? Um, yeah, I relate. And I'm, I'm laughing out of enjoyment because I just enjoy listening. <laughs> yeah. To I don't know. That's why I watch The Bachelor because it's like, it's like a, I'm the Jane Goodall of straight people. I'm like, oh, what sure. is going on here? <laughs> you have to really immerse yourself with, within, you know, to be Jane. I just sit down. I'm like holding a notepad. I'm like, what are the rules? Yeah. <laughs> you can't say I love you till X, Y, and Z, but you, you can't have sex until X, Y, and Z. And the guy has to do, like, I'm just writing it down being like, this is bananas. Totally. Yeah. It's like straight nography. It's like straight nography. <laughs> I yeah. totally know that feeling, especially how I grew wow. up. I'm like, wait, what's going on here? Like if somebody's jealous because I'm friends with their boyfriend or something, I'm like, what? What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's very funny to me. I distinctly feel a vibe sometimes from people that like they think I'm just like a straight white guy now, mm-hmm. which is weird. Because like, no. I mean, also there's nothing wrong with it. Like, not that there's anything wrong with that in the classic Seinfeld joke about it. Um, Because, like, ultimately, there's, like, not. Like, I'm going to say something very intense, which is, like, that there's not. (laughs) Like, it's the, you know, the structures um, that are created around those things to, like, make them more valuable or whatever. Um, I I have a lot of straight white guy friends, and and some of them are really great people. (laughs) Gross. Um, But uh, I feel like something that was a, a, a response that I got as a younger person 
um, that sticks in my mind about, you know, like being queer or, you know, sexual stuff, whatever, is that, you know, like that it's like a luxury to have that at mm. uh, that time to consider those things. And that, you know, all the straight people are out here working their asses off <laughs> and getting things done and they have no time to think about it. They just do what's in front of them or whatever, you know. Um, and it's like, okay, like if, if that's the way that you look at it, that it is a luxury, like, yeah, I would much rather luxuriate in my own life than like mm -hmm. all this other crap that's going on in the world. Like <laughs> we don't need another CEO out there, please. That's right. <laughs> like I, I would much rather, you know, kick my feet up and contemplate what my life could be like as opposed to like, well, I got a nose to the grindstone. Like it's actually like it actually is in in direct defiance to those structures. Mm -hmm. And I think for like that's the other thing too is like I've I've uh I don't know if it's living out here. I, I don't think that's the case because I've been other places and I know that there are small towns with a lot of people who are very interested and introspective and curious. Yes. So I don't think it's like, oh, I live in LA and it's this whatever. But um, I think my particular trajectory just took me to a place with like, I, I know I am around straight people who are very queer in their existence. You know, they just happen to be like hetero paired. Yeah. You know, that like they don't lit, they do, even, even though they are, you know, a cis man and a cis woman and they have a child, like they are parenting that child in a way that I'm like, this feels very queer to me. <laughs> yeah. They're living a life that feels very queer to me that I know some queer people that are very straight about their lives. You know, like yeah. it's like, it's, it's a vast, uh, a kaleidoscope of experience. And I just think mm -hmm. we are ever so slightly nudging and opening up towards a more queer existence on a on a on a moment to moment basis basically and so yeah. i'm I, all this is to echo what gabe is saying is that what we do and what is so scary to people and what they don't like is we make them consider something they think they don't have to or don't want to or that they don't have a choice in sometimes too so right and like they think that it's settled and it's done and they don't want to want to want to it's like no, this is actually, to me, the stuff of life. Like, the yeah, stuff of life right. is not like, what was your career and how much money did you make? Even though all day today I was, like, lost in that, you know? Like, I still also get lost in that. But it is truly not that, like, I can't take that with me, you know? Like, yeah. the only thing I can experience is is myself and other people, you know? I mean, uh, what you're making me think of is, like, if you read Queer Theory or, some, or like, Sarah Ahmed or these different... Um, you know, when you think about queer theory, they're not, you know, it's a it's a perspective on the world. It's not like who you're sleeping with or with your gender mm -hmm. or if you say this or that. It's like my brother is really into calling himself a legacy gay. And he's really into the word <laughs> gay because we grew up in, with gay power, you know, like that uh, um, mm -hmm. expression, which is, you know, kind of an umbrella in a way. But um, just to think about like. Also, what you, something you said, like for me, being queer is always with like alternative ways of living or alternative ways of perceiving like the world in general. And what you said, um, Gabe, about the seeing in, in more 4D or different color spectrum. And I think that in, I know that in the past we were respected for that sensitivity. Like we had that special skill, like, um, that we could bring to the community and other people had other skills that was really good. Like, you know, like I like river, I have a lot of different kinds of friends, so different everything, but, uh, but yeah, I think that, that we do have, that's this trans magic thing. I, I like it as a phrase, um, is something we can bring to the table to, 
to help people. It's another perception. It's a way of perceiving that we can share with our communities if they're willing to to hear us, you know? Yeah, and I think the ultimate, like, to me, the, like, distillation of that in our current society um, is that we, specifically trans people, are, like, showing that you actually have autonomy over yourself, even if yeah, you're a child. Yeah, you have autonomy over your <laughs> even body. Even if you, you were have... a child. <laughs> You have, exactly, you have choices. You have, I mean, showing people that there's other paths and choices. I mean, you know, I think I have. there's a lot of pressure on me in like my little YouTube ways of in the beginning of saying, oh, my bisexuality has nothing to do with my polyamory. My bisexuality has nothing to do with the way I live my life or whatever. That was like a big sort of respectability politics thing. And then I was like, no, it actually does. Yeah. Like, the queerness is is incorporated in all kinds of alternative choices for living and <laughs> like that's uh that's a gift that I've been given and it's also knowing other people and allowing me to see that stuff I think is linked to my queerness and I don't want to have yeah. to not say that it is so that people will because I always say I'm like you don't have to understand it you just have to respect it and like that's mm -hmm. the basic I'm not going to sit here and like explain transness to someone who doesn't get it but like what if it was just like yeah you don't get it and that's fine you're not going to get yeah. everything it's and I don't get you. like I don't get a lot of the things too but you know I, I believe people should be able to do whatever they're doing even if I don't get it unless it's unless it's hurting someone yeah I don't understand a lot of straight culture but whatever <laughs> I'm letting it I'm letting it exist <laughs> yeah so Daniel it's been really wonderful to talk to you and I'm curious like uh if there's anything that like you're working on right now or like um anything that's you know getting your your trans magic powers going you know anything that you want to share with us and, and the world yeah, I feel like I wear several hats in that way as a, a multidisciplinary artist style person. So I'm, um, you know, I do, I am a conceptual artist, you know, in that way I, I create, yeah, ex exhibitions of my stuff in, in certain, you know, it could be photography, uh, film, performance, that kind of thing. And a lot of it has to do with the things we're talking about here, you know. I think of it as archival work or memoir, you know, uh, anti-memoir, this kind of thing, but using different mediums. Um, so I'm excited about that. I, I often work um, in collaboratively. I really, that's my, that's how I shine, I feel. So that's a longstanding thing, but I'm, I'm focusing on some solo stuff as well. Um, yeah. And I've been acting. I, I, uh, well, now there's the, the writer's strike, which I'm in full solidarity of. Um, I'm a, I am a longstanding union member of the IWW, but also of um, Screen Actors Guild. And so I'm happy that that strike's happening. But I also wanted to say that I feel like, um, yeah, the possibilities are reopening. You know, I, I didn't mean to like leave acting. It's just that there were literally no roles for me. And then, you know, the agents or the managers or anybody who would need the casting, we don't know what to do with you. You're not a man. You're not a woman. It's just kind of like... Uh, I didn't find work. So at a certain point I had to kind of refocus back to music and to yeah, art. And now I'm also doing my MFA um, in, in I'm in the class of contextual painting um, in, in living in Europe at the moment. But yeah, I'm excited to act again. I feel like it's this great opportunity um, that the world has finally has some understanding. Um, and that there might, and there's more of my people in the industry now, you know, not just trans people, but like uh, my people, you know, uh, queer people, people who can, who would want to collaborate. And, um, you know, I went through a lot uh, being in the public eye in a, in a kind of unsafe setting. So I'm excited to 
you know, I had to take my time to also just because I was interested in other stuff I wanted to check out. But like, it's nice to be back in the, I would like to create more as an actor. I think I didn't reach my potential yet. So seeing all those um, trans made uh, films at this trans film festival in Seattle, my friend Anto Estudio uh, curated in a beautiful way. And uh, that really inspired me. And, I, and so yeah, I'm excited to collaborate with folks and I guess that's it. Play music, hanging out with my family, that kind of thing. Uh, you're the best. <laughs> I don't know if I, I mean, uh, it's hard I to, can't wait to no, see you're it all just... into words. <laughs> no, I think you nailed it. Well, where can people like find you and follow you and see some of your stuff? I mean, I think the best way is the Instagram. I'm at Daniel mm -hmm. C on Instagram. That's like a good, and I have like a little link tree and I'll be putting more stuff up there. Um, right now there's some interviews on there too, that I got the chance to talk about some things and they're up on there and, um, yeah, some links too. Oh, I also want to do a, uh, yeah, just a shout out to all of the organizing people over all these years who have gotten us to this point, you know, all the organizations and people, individuals who've been activists, trans and queer activists, um, all over all these generations now um, that we could sit here together and have certain rights. And, you know, I would just encourage folks to get involved because it's such a, a pleasure to be working together for liberation in, in ways and, and, um, and we need community uh, unity. And so also I wanted to say, if anybody's feeling lonely, you know, there's always, um, I've used these lines too, the helplines over the years. Uh, so there's the trans lifeline and different, um, um, you know, places you can call and you're not alone if anyone's feeling that way. But uh, also to say that, you know, getting involved in community, working on stuff together, um, I think is a way to, that we can um, uh, work against any of these forces we were talking about. You know, there's a lot of potential for uh, really like a lot of joy and good, good feelings together. Um, and that's really important. I want to put that out there. I love that. Hell yeah. Thanks, Daniel. Everybody deserves care and to be supported, like we talked about at the beginning, you know. Um, and I do think intergenerational stuff is also very important. Um, and yeah, so I, I want to thank you both for inviting me to be part of this uh, podcast here. I think it's very fun, mm -hmm. this conversation. I'd like to have another conversation sometime, too, and we can talk about all. I'm sure we can talk about all different kinds of things together. Let's keep the conversation going. Yeah. Come on back anytime, Daniel. I was saying like, you know, it's like, um, like the older, you're like the older, older brother who like was in college when we were like in yeah. middle school <laughs> yeah. and we're like, does he want to hang out with us? Gosh, I hope so. <laughs> yes, I definitely do. I was waiting for you all. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Daniel. It's been really great to talk to you. Yeah, it's been great to talk to you both. Have a good, have a great rest of your day over there. Well, that was a fantastic conversation, Gabe. What did you think? Um, I was just a little intimidated because I like oh, sure. him so much. Yeah, Daniel's really wonderful. I know. Well, I guess we'll just have to have them back again and you'll be maybe slightly less intimidated. So everybody will just have to tune back in <laughs> for the next upcoming episodes of The New Guys to see when we have Daniel C. back on and see how less intimidated Gabe is for that episode. I've never... I've never been so, uh, like, it, um, what's the word? Just riveted and listening to someone else talk in my life. <laughs>
<laughs> well, I'm I was happy to be a bystander for that personally. It was a lot of fun. Uh, did you have a good time on this first episode, Gabe? I had a great time. I had a really yeah, good time. I'm so glad we're doing it. We're gonna like well, yeah, let's create do it again. Such a cool archive. Oh, you think? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I'm setting you up to make a thing. You know? Yeah, so. I'm a okay. So I'm at Gabe S Dunn on Instagram, and uh, I have a podcast called Bad with Money and a podcast called Just Between Us. Uh, and on Gabe S Dunn at Instagram, you can find all the other stuff that I'm doing. And there's a Bad With Money episode with River as well. So if you want to check that oh, out. Oh, yeah. That's, I sound and look very different on that episode. So check that out. Um, and I'm at Riv Butcher on both Instagram and Twitter, although I don't really use Twitter very much anymore because uh, it was killing me. But um, <laughs> I, you can find my live dates. I uh, will be in Portland on the 4th of June. I think this is going to come out in time for that. Recording an uh, uh, an hour of stand up at Helium in Portland on the fourth, and you can get tickets on my website at or www.riverbutcher.com. Um, and yeah, you can find all that stuff on Instagram, and then you should follow our Instagram, uh, the new guys on on Instagram. <laughs> That's K N E W guys at the new guys, and I I hope that I can still see the people who have blocked me from it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and I've been River Butcher. I've been Gabe Dunn. And we will see We're you the new guys. in two weeks. And we'll see you in two weeks. 